Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Liberty listeners, welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. This week, we get the pleasure of speaking with Lauren Fundos of Forte, and I am so excited for you guys to listen to not only the business that she's created, but then to take advantage of it to get your um, kind of exercise on, because this is this is no joke. This is for real. And uh, Lauren, if you could tell us just how real this is, we'd love it. Tell us a little bit about your company and what you're doing and kind of how you're changing um, how we experience exercise. For sure, for sure. So my company is Forte. And what we've built is uh, technology that enables our favorite boutique fitness studios to stream. So what we do is we install, let's say, five cameras into a studio. And then when they teach their classes, they do nothing differently, but our technology is automatically turning on. And then it rotates around according to the class that uh, that occurs at that time. And then it turns itself off. So uh, we're currently streaming across the country and it's fully automated. um, And it goes off all day, every day from both coasts. Wow. So, so you literally have to put all of these cameras into each studio. This isn't just like we're using their equipment. This is yeah, yeah, yeah. we built the technology, proprietary technology. Yeah, so we we kind of vet out the space and we take you know thousands of photos before we actually vet out what spots they're going to be in, ensuring that everybody looks glamorous and incredibly skinny <laughs> when they get shot on camera, because there are there could be bad camera angles. So we everything's really well thought out. Um, and then, yeah, so the studios are hardwiring this into their walls and we put then servers on site. So the servers have our software in it. And then that automation is how we then set it off from our main system into all those studios. So it goes off. So the instructors, once they put that mic on at 12 o'clock, the cameras are all turning on. They do nothing differently. And then it rotates around and then it turns off on its own. So the studios do what they do best, which is create great content. And then we give them the technology to, uh, enable them to stream. That's amazing. Is that, well, actually, I'm going to save my technology questions for a little bit further down into the interview, but tell us a little bit, because we want to get to know who is this Lauren person that launched this awesome business so that we can sort of see ourselves in your story. So what did you do before deciding to take the entrepreneurial plunge? Yeah, I was definitely not trying to build a company or like work at a startup or anything. I love my job. I never thought I would leave it. I um, before this, I was a, I traded bonds on Wall Street, U.S. Treasury bonds specifically. I had a lucrative career, which I was super happy about. And I actually just because I was going out often in my career, I started to feel like I was losing a sense of myself. Um, and so, which is fitness. And I've been, I was a big athlete growing up. I was a two-time All-American field hockey player. So working out was always a big part of my life. And I was going out and had to be at work at so early. And so I started to lose a sense of myself, which was staying fit. And so I really wanted to make sure I was still incorporating working out. So I started to go after work and my clients would ask me where I was going. And I'm like, I'm going to Flywheel or wherever. So they slowly started to follow me. So I amassed a really big crew of people on Wall Street that I would go work out with instead of, you know, getting beers. And I got really into the studio scene. And so I would try to find a new cool place for us to go each time. 
And that was when I really started to kind of see the power of studios. Before that, I was pretty much a loner in terms of working out because I was pretty disciplined. And then I realized that they were awesome and that there was just so much magic in these places and that that's why they were getting you know such big crowds and becoming so popular. Um, so then I started talking to studios to see if they would broadcast their classes. So people that I was talking about these classes to incessantly that didn't live by them could take them. And uh, at first, you know, three and a half years ago, people were a little bit opposed to streaming their classes. And obviously, fast forward to today, it's kind of what's happening and stuff. So yeah, before this, I was a bond trader and, and an athlete, never trying to start a company. I just saw space and something I was really passionate about. And so it's been super exciting to now go back to wearing sweatpants every day and <laughs> building a company that I'm so passionate about and that, that I'm the user of the product. So I feel like really confident that if anybody's going to build this and do a billion dollar company, that it's me just because, you know, I'm competing against 55 year old men building other companies in the space. And I just, you know, I'm in the trenches every day and I'm building a product that I heard people wanted and that, you know, I, I listen to what I hear in the locker room at the studios. And so I'm really excited to build a product that, that I want and that I think the people will love. What I love about your story too, is the time you spent, whether you were doing it intentionally or not, um, really kind of getting some social proof where you were going to these studios with people, people were asking you what you wanted, where you were going and what you were kind of up to following you to the studios. And you were becoming an arbiter of what's the studio in town to go to and, and you were being followed. So you sort of had this sample group of people who were paying attention to what you were doing, listening to you as a, as an expert. And it seems like whether again, intentional or not, it was kind of natural for you to take it to the next step. Would you say that's kind of how it came? Yeah, for sure. Actually, the people that I was bringing, that I were going out with, they were really skeptical of the whole studio experience. And obviously it was a bunch of guys from Wall Street and they loved it. Like the first time we went to a spin class, they always joked that one of them, their shoe got like disconnected. And he goes, Lauren, you looked at me like you never saw me before because I was trying to win. <laughs> and I was so into it. He's like, you looked at me like you've never seen me in your whole life. I was like, well, nobody raises their hand in the middle of a class. Like, it's not what, what we do. What were you thinking? I was like, I was so embarrassed that I brought you there. That, it, it's really because of that guy, um, you decided to do the streaming, right? You're like, how do I do the same thing and not embarrass myself with my friends? Exactly. I was like, dude, you cannot do that. Nobody raises their hand for help. That's like a fake question when they ask that. Let me ask you something for people who are listening who don't really know what the distinction is between a studio class and just a gym membership. How how would you describe that difference, the energy level, the kind of community that it builds? What would you say to those people who don't know, who don't, who don't know the difference between the two? Yeah. Well, so the fitness industry is a $30 billion industry and over 35% of that is now made up of studios. So studios are definitely growing. And if you don't go to them or have them near you, you will soon, or you'll be streaming them. But uh, for us, the studio, I think, is really just a place that kind of has more of a community. And I think the classes are really well thought out um, from the music to the room to the lights and, and sort of they're trying to create a whole experience as opposed to just, you know, doing a push up. And so I think they're really focused on that and kind of the community aspect of that, which obviously CrossFit pioneered the community way mm -hmm. and did a great job of that. And I think other studios are trying to do that with whatever their modality or workout is. And do you feel like the community piece is 
You're bringing that to a wider community by streaming, or do you feel like something's lost? How do you make up for that in-person experience through Forte? Yeah. So, well, nothing in place, like will replace obviously in person. You don't want a virtual boyfriend. You want a real boyfriend. You know? <laughs> I don't know. It depends on the day. <laughs> exactly. It depends what you're looking for. But for the most part, in person is obviously the, is the best. So yeah, I mean, we were confident that the people that went to Excel, for instance, they would love taking Excel classes when they weren't able to go to the studio, but we weren't sure what was going to happen if people that had never heard of the word boutique studio or, you know, had heard of these places, what they would think. And it's been really fun to see that they are liking the exact same things. They're like, Bergen is awesome. And this class is awesome. And they're saying exactly what people in the That's studio cool. are saying, which is really cool. And I think for us, you know, that I was really adamant about streaming the actual studio class, as opposed to, you know, making a quote unquote workout video, which is what they have all done in the past. And, and my thing is, you know, those aren't really indicative of the experience sure. of the studio. You know, and so I, and so the people that watch our classes now, when they actually travel to Excel, they know where the mats are. They, they know where the lady is that they want to stand next to. They're like a boss, like they've been there every day. You know, they're, they feel as though they're a real member of the studio, even though people may not know them. That's cool. And I would think it would be easier for people who aren't used to a studio experience or working out at all to sort of onboard, if you will, like, let me try this out. I don't know if this is quite my vibe. And then totally. to figure out like, yeah, I actually do like this particular class or this particular instructor. And after two or three sessions through Forte, now I feel comfortable enough going myself. And then when I travel, I can still take it with me. So you can kind of come in and out of that experience and still have some continuity. Oh, it took me a long time to go to a studio by myself. I used to always have to travel with a friend. And eventually I was like, okay, Lauren, you're a big girl. You could go to a new place by yourself. And it definitely, I mean, we've done a lot of testing and research and, and people are intimidated by working out in sure. general and obviously even more so of, you know, a yoga studio where everyone kind of knows the drill. And, and if you haven't been, it's totally intimidating. So I think it'll definitely drive people in the doors as well, um, as opposed to the latter. You know, I think as, as opposed to replace it, I think it'll actually be a cause for people to actually check it out. Absolutely. I can, I, I see that and hear it in, in what you're saying and the examples that you're giving. So you had talked about uh, three years ago, there was some initial reluctance from the boutiques. And I'm curious even now, like, why do they want to join in with Forte? What's in it for them aside from exposure to a larger audience? Yeah. So for us, the studios, uh, basically for them to participate, they pay us um, to license the technology. And then from that point point forward, we rev share with them 50-50. And we're totally transparent about our costs and everything. With them, you know, we have built an incredible relationship. They are our true partners. Um, I'm not a trainer. I do not own a studio. So if they don't love us and want to do a great job together, then we really don't have a product. So uh, yeah. And they get paid out based on minutes watched per month in comparison to the total piece of the pie. Okay. So um, I'm just going to have you repeat the business model again so yep. that people can imagine it outside of the fitness industry. So yep. they buy the software or they buy the proprietary yep. technology. Yep. Then going forward, as people purchase or select their class, then you rev share 50-50 with them. Yeah. So let's say a user pays 10 bucks a month. Okay. So we split 50-50. So Forte would keep five and then five would go to the studios. Let's say that user watched half their time at Exhale and half their time at Joyride. Each studio would get paid two and a half dollars. Got it. Got yeah. it. That's brilliant. Um, yeah. And I think, again, I wanted you to repeat that because I think a lot of people can sort of 
when you hear the business model stripped down and, and distinct from the particular thing that you're offering, the service that you're offering, you can yep. sort of find where it's applicable to other industries or in other industries. Totally. And yeah, we really believe, you know, in the marketplace, it was also a challenge in the beginning to get them to agree to a marketplace. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, as a user, I just want to go on Spotify and I just want to go on Amazon and I want to go in one place where all the things are. And it doesn't matter how much disposable income you have. I don't want to pay $50 for this site and $50 for this site. And sure. you just don't want that. And so it's like, it's got to be one price. It's got to be really simple. And it's got to be, I mean, you know, we have data now that people go to multiple studios. Users don't just go to one thing. So as great as your brand may be, you would really be, if you're an outlier and you can be the marketplace, God bless you. But the, the odds of that are usually very low. Yeah, no, I love what it does for, for the boutique the boutique, um, fitness, um, outlets, as well as what it does for those people who are brand new on the scene, as well as what it does for those who are mature and have been around for a while. It seems to serve all three in, in a unique way. And of course, for the user, it's brilliant. They have access to so much more. Um, And your pricing is sort of ridiculous. I know that that $99 annual fee is something that will change, that that's more for people who are early adopters. How are you able to offer that? Or is that something that's going to grow over time as you add more and more boutiques? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ultimately the pricing will be 39 month to month or 288 for the year. Um, Obviously that's still really great considering most of these classes are, you know, between 30 and $40 a session for a class. So it's great. I mean, I really wanted it to be affordable. I I obviously think everyone should be able to experience these incredible things. And so we were trying to keep the price, you know, at a reasonable rate, Uh, aside from the fact also now there's a subscription for everything. And so, you know, trying to be conscious of that and just myself, you know, being aware that I have a million and what would I want to pay? And so, you know, to make sure that people see the value and kind of get them in the doors to something that they may not, you know, this is a whole kind of new phenomenon. It's not only a workout video, it's, uh, it's live and it's in a different format than people are used to. So really making sure that they understood that and would see the value. And that's why we chose to do a longer trial really to get people you know, to understand what it was and how it worked kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, 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 I get it. And, um, you talk about it being something somewhat of a new, um, way of approaching subscription kind of lifestyle in general is something yeah. that I think people are, whether it's television and, and Netflix, and I know there's been some reference to you guys as a Netflix. Can you explain that a little bit Yeah, or how, what, where that came from? Yeah. I mean, I think we designed the site to look similar to Netflix because Netflix makes people happy and they know how to use it. Yes, it does. It does. (laughs) It makes me very happy. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, let's not reinvent the wheel. They have probably tested billions of dollars behind the way that things are. Yeah. And so basically, instead of saying, you know, drama, kids, uh, trending now, it's saying boxing spin rather than... uh, the kind of category of movie, whatever you're trying to watch. So we, we try to make it feel like that. We're also, you know, we're not going to have like content on the site, like recipes and all these other things. We're just going to be a content absorption site and just videos and try to really stick to being great at that and not trying to make this a million different things. There's a lot of people that do great meal plans and great other things. And that's awesome. And we want them to keep doing that because we're going to try to stay really focused on just bringing this great content and then continuing to make the experience more and more interactive as we iterate the technology. That's awesome. I love that. And with the, with the 
kind of the need for you as a startup to really, for, to get the technology into all these boutiques, even though they're participating financially and bringing that technology into their studio. I have to imagine that this was a, quite an outlay financially. Did you self-fund or were you able to go after some capital to start up? Yeah, I initially self-funded because I never built a company before and I didn't even know what a VC was or you know, I knew, <laughs> knew the term, but I didn't even know sure. any. Um, now, obviously, it's much different. I only knew traders and now I only know people in tech. But uh, yeah, so I self-funded out of the gate to kind of get it going. And when I left my job, my boss actually uh, offered to invest. And I was like, I don't have a valuation because I don't even know what I'm building exactly yet. And he was like, no, no, no. He's like, you take this money. I'm not going to tell people that I was your friend and that you used to work for me. And so my, uh, some people from my old career invested in me, which was a, you know, great that they, that they felt that confidence. And kind of our investors have actually trickled to us through LinkedIn, seeing things on LinkedIn and Facebook and all that. So we've had a really great experience um, in that regard, fundraising-wise. Um, and we're actually currently raising our series A round now. So we're going for a big round of funding now. That's awesome. Congratulations. And I think that says a lot to what it means to have identified something in the market. That's, that was a hole to step up the technology and then to also really look at how the user wants to interface with that. Um, yeah, that, that people offering. were like, "Doesn't this exist?" I'm like, "Well, are yeah. you streaming a gym? I don't think so." So yeah. no, <laughs> no, it is it is a little bit like why why didn't anybody think of this? But I think I think a large part of it is timing, right? You thought of it, and the it was ripe for for the the audience to to gravitate towards. They get it. They've had the Netflix experience. Yep. They've had other subscription experiences, and the the sell time for you. Um, is is a lot quicker. You're you're not having to spend as much time. I'm not saying it's easy, but as much time to close those deals uh, with with the user. Um, yep. So, what did you know about technology before launching Forte? Because it sounds like I mean, you even just said based on your experience and where you came from, that wasn't really your world, and now it's you're steeped in it. And you didn't necessarily, although you were an athlete, you didn't necessarily come from the fitness industry. So this is yep. really a technology business. Yep. What did you know about technology, or what did you find out you didn't know about technology <laughs> yeah. in this process? Well, I was the best person on the computer at my old job because everyone was fifty, and I was doing my twenties. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> so I was the best person on the computer. That's as much as I knew about technology. <laughs> fair but, enough. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. I, but then when I started this, I realized that I absolutely knew nothing. So I, you know, as I tried to now build this really intricate technology company, knowing nothing about technology. Yeah. Um, you know, I started reading and tons of books and going to meetups and, and go, I went on my like my LinkedIn and I typed in tech and I was like, <laughs> okay, I have one friend, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so I only knew traders. And so I really was pretty much starting at square zero. And so which, I had which to- is so inspiring, honestly, to hear, because I think there's so many people who maybe have a great idea, but don't understand how to create sort of a mechanism or a vehicle for that idea. And technology is, is one that you should be looking at. It's a great place yep. to start. How do I distribute this information or this service or this product through yep. technology? And they they shy away from it because they think, I don't have any experience. I don't even know what I'm talking about. And yeah, I knew if we were going to win. No, I knew if we were going to win this game that we had to go really, really, really futuristic and not make it something that people can do themselves in a year from now. 
So I knew that it needed to be really expansive and really well designed and yeah, just super intricate and, and scalable and way beyond what they could do themselves. So I went real deep <laughs> right out of the gate, That's awesome. um, ensuring that we would have a competitive advantage, you know, as obviously the market started to get smarter and more interested in doing this. And so how much of that is because the catch-up game is 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 easy for people these days? I mean, you have a, a technology that's required in the studio, so it's not just something yep. that's created on, on the back end, if you will. You've got to have that buy-in from the studios. But what what's going to keep you ahead of the game? Is it, is it just being first on the scene? Is it the way you market to people? What's your sort of strategy for that? Yeah. I mean, we're first mover to the space. We're the first company to actually stream the classes. So that gives us a competitive advantage. Obviously we've awoken all the big beasts. So Mm -hmm. they're aware that we exist and now all thinking the same thing. Um, You know, we did iterate the hardware for three and a half years. And so a lot of the automation and things that are set are relative to the scenario. So spin is obviously very easy because the instructor is fixed and nobody moves. And in other classes, everything is changing. And so, you know, watching those classes for a year and watching the instructors do things and the classes occur was how the automation and how we've gotten smarter and smarter at it. So even if you just started today and hired a famous videographer or something, you know, there's a lot of variables that are, you know, unique to just testing over time that really you can't solve, you know, in the short term. So I think part of that is our secret sauce, as well as obviously having non-competes with our partners and, you know, contracts that give us some sort of leverage in the short term. And then hopefully we'll raise a big enough round and have enough big enough users that, that uh, jostling us won't really matter too much. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned the the non-compete because I was going to ask you what what for the boutiques kind of what's their obligation to you. Um and one yeah. of the things I like about their commitment outside of legal and signing a piece of paper is that in the same way that they were a boutique that you were able to get on the map, you're a boutique if you will that they're able to get on the map or keep on the map. Um, instead of going to, you know, some, some big gun with crazy amounts of money and who already has them an audience in some other field that they're trying to leverage. It feels like, um, hopefully that loyalty will go far even beyond the, the non-compete. Yeah. I mean, some of them are actually hesitant to stream because they have this fear of being copied and, you know, I'm, I'm like, and that's great and all, but in today's day and age, I can do film anything. So you have two choices. One, be scared, live within your four walls and go nowhere or two, open it up to the world and own it. And then everyone says they're doing aerospace or everyone says they're doing Excel. And then the whole world is talking about you. I was like, so it's just not the world we live in. Amen on on every front, Uh, everything you just said. When I hear people saying, well, I don't want to share this idea with someone because I, you know, it's, it's a secret, it's proprietary. And I'm like, it's a matter of time is what it is because when you finally go anywhere, no, and (laughs) I, you know, you're brilliant and you're wonderful, but somebody else has thought of this in some other way. So once the idea gets out there, it's a matter of being true to it and being your authentic self and bringing what you only you have to bring, but also getting there and developing that relationship with the customer. So you shared something in a recent Forbes article. Um, it was an interview with you and you, you gave some advice to keep your team lean and spend wisely. So in your opinion, what do you consider to be an unnecessary hire and what do you deem an unwise spending item? 
Yeah. I mean, for us, there's obviously a lot of great products out there that you can spend money on, you know, and you can also use a Google doc and organize things in there. You know, I think we, I pretty much say no to everything at this point. You know, I, it's easy to spend money and the name of the game to get to a series A, I think is being able to not run out of money. You know, you get to points where the company is maybe not in a sexy place. And if you have to keep raising at those points, it becomes very difficult. So even when money would come in, they were like, well, can we do this now? I'm like, nope. (laughs) Because, you know, you just have to, you know, assume that things are not going to work out as fast as you want and, and operate as lean as you can. I think the goal is to get that proof of concept to a far enough place where you have tangible numbers and can raise an evaluation where you're giving up the right amount. And I think, you know, obviously it's easy. A lot of companies, you know, get offices and then they have to downsize and stuff like that. So I, you know, I tried to operate really lean and, and I tell everyone, you know, everyone's doing jobs that they won't be doing forever. So experience everything and find out what you love. And as we grow the team, then you can relieve yourself of the things you don't love. But, you know, at this point, I think it also really helps the team understand the product and, stuff like that rather than, you know, outsourcing and hiring people to do social media or little tasks here and there where, sure. you know, EV, obviously that's easier to do, but there's also the, the balance of making sure you're not overloading yourself and, you know, kind of not doing everything well because you're doing too many things. But yeah, really just being efficient on on our spending is the most important and, and building the product. You know, obviously there's a thousand features that we want to build and, you know, what features do they really need to understand the business like just with what we have our super users get it they know where we're going and they love it would i love it to be so interactive and so futuristic right now of course but to get it to where we need it to prove out the concept we don't need all those things and i think to that end um you you sort of take those super users as you call them on a ride right they're yep. growing with you they're expanding with you their needs are shifting as your need to become more interactive shifts and yep. they become loyal um in that they're in some ways they're like a, a part of the company they're like a your other employee employee totally. like they're informing it's- you as you're informing them yeah, we learn a lot. I mean, we if we would have built our mobile app, we would have made a bad decision. Our TV is the best use case for our product. And everyone says mobile, mobile, mobile. And we the TV is a, is a better use case. So I'm happy that we waited to watch what people were doing and you know, are going to build the proper thing first and stuff like that. I think even in terms of features, you know, we have all these ideas of what's important and very quickly the users all are writing different things. So you build features that obviously they're nice, but in terms of priority, if you just build because you have money, then you sometimes build things that, you know, you find out are a much lower priority. Uh, yeah. I, I want to go back to when you were talking about the the team and the the wise spending and, and, yeah. and just how tight that's been. You made a really good point and one I really want our listeners to to sort of hear and consider in their own startups or their own sort of um, growth phase in their companies, which is that when the team is doing multiple things and they're not so siloed, they're not working on just accounting, just social media, just, I mean, we need those experts for sure. But, um, they're not only are they learning more holistically about the company, the brand, the mission, the vision, but they end up being able to make almost more informed decisions about the things that they are in charge of because they have 
um, a, a better scope or a better handle on the whole company. So for yep. example, you know, if, if you're getting, if the social media person is just doing social media, let's say, yep. but they don't understand your vision for the future or, and they can't carry that voice into like, we need to be on the cutting edge. We need to be viewed as a brand that's really taking things into the next, um, kind of 20 year, we're visionary, that's who we are, then, then perhaps that social media person isn't, isn't grasping a piece of, that's core to the business and isn't yep. communicating that. So I, I love what that, by being more um, kind of tight fisted in a good way with yep. spending, you're actually getting an outcome that's positive and benefits the company. Um, yep. And I think it's cool too that you're able to say, and this is probably just good management on your port, point, or on your part, excuse me, but to say to those employees, hey, like we're all going to do these things and they're, they're multiple things, but we're going to be able to weed out the things you do like doing and don't like. And perhaps you're going to find some things that you like doing that you didn't think you would and some things you thought you were going to like that you don't. And, and that's, exactly. that's, it's a great way to really create and hone in on, on people's skills and what they're going to be great at. And the other thing I, I think it's so kind of brilliant about that is as you start looking um, at where you're going to spend your dollars, you've sort of come up with, we've been really wise in these areas and now we're going to kind of collectively as a team make a decision that, I mean, with your, with your leading this yep. is where we're going to spend and people can kind of say, okay, this, this, we're, this is an important decision in the company. We're going to pour money into, let's say marketing. Yep. And so we're all going to shift and we're all going to really spend some energy to make sure that that we support that effort, that financial effort. Well, adding people too adds a lot of work. And so yes. if you add people to add people, you sometimes are just training and, you know, so it's really important to like think carefully with who you add because it's a lot of work and training somebody and getting them up to speed takes time. And so you really want to train the right people that are going to stick around and, you know, be high impact players. I think I always say now, you know, I just want a plus players because there are so few of us. And yeah. so to just get somebody that's average or, you know, not super into it and passionate is, is not what we need at this stage of the game. You know, we're not a 300 person company yet. So sure. we really need people that are, you know, going to be super into it. And it takes a lot of work to get somebody up to speed and you want them to really understand things. And so, you know, you definitely want to add them slowly so that they're able to really contribute and understand things. I love that. Thanks for that. Okay. So do you have this sense now that you've, you've kind of launched this thing? It's, you know, you're going after the masses now. You've got the boutiques, not that you're stopping by any stretch, yep. but you're in a place where you're like, okay, this thing that was in my mind, this thing that I sort of birthed is now alive. Do you feel like you've arrived yeah, it's been a great feeling. I, I get emails from users and they write the most incredible things. And I think that's been the most exciting thing for us. Um, you know, we've been contacted by all the big players in the space and I've met with all those big executives. And so that's certainly, you know, a big compliment to where we are and what we've done. And yeah, it's just growing month over month and we're expanding so rapidly. It's been super, super exciting. I had incredible meetings today and the whole thing sort of just feels surreal. 
I was like in Central Park and I heard two girls like talking about my company and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) that's my company. (laughs) Did you want to go over over to them and say something? I did. They were like, I think I was filmed when I was like doing bar and I don't know where it went. I think it went on this company forte and I was like, oh my God. That's the best. That's my company. They were like, oh my God. (laughs) That is the best. I think think it, it is in those moments when somebody doesn't know that you're there and you're talking about, and, and they're talking about your company or they've just given some compliment to, to a third party and you hear it. I think those are probably the most magical moments. Yeah. We started streaming into a building um, on the Upper East Side, a big, huge building. And we had this kind of launch day. And so the people were there talking about how they use the product and they're like, what are your favorite classes? And then the lady's like, who started this company? And I was like, I did. <laughs> <laughs> he was That's like, cool. what? That's very cool. She's was like, really- you should have had that whole thing filmed. Actually, yeah. is what you should have had filmed. That would have been genius. I was like, yeah, it's me. I was like, so I, I go in our Zen desk, like in our help desk. And I, every once in a while, I'm like, I love you. I love you. I'm writing to all the users that are writing in. They're like, Lauren, don't do that. We got it. I was like, no, we got to tell them that we love them. Now that's very cool. That's yeah. very cool. And it, it coming from the founder, you know, to the customer, I, nothing is sort of better, right? Like you're yeah. still connected to them. That's very cool. For me, I think getting emails, you know, like from people saying that we've changed their life and that they're so much healthier and they send their like doctor reports and stuff like that has been incredible. Wow. Nobody told me that I made their life better when I worked on Wall Street. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I didn't never really realize that I was doing no good for society or, you know, just a different motivation than sure. until I started this company. And it's, you know, I would never want to go back to a job where, where I wasn't doing something that was making people's lives better. I love that. Well, yeah. that's a great transition into all of the listeners who are also trying to make lives better, their own and the people that are, uh, that they're serving. And I want to talk a little bit, uh, kind of get your insight, your wisdom, your advice on Forte as to, and how it kind of applies to other businesses. One of the things I love about Forte and what you've done is this vision aggregates the fitness content that's already being created all over the country. And I assume all over the world, if you wanted. Yep. And what other industries do you think that it could benefit from this same sort of aggregating model? So for people listening out there, like who are in the pet industry or who are in beauty product industry or whatever, or yeah. other service industries, like how do you see this subscription model for things outside of, you know, television shows and fitness? How do you see this kind of taking over the world or um, applying to other types of businesses? Yeah, I think, I mean, the main thing that we're doing is leveraging technology to reach a bigger audience. So, you know, people that don't have access to live near a certain thing are now able to access it, you know, just like we've made with FaceTime, right? So you can see somebody and feel closer to them. And I think, you know, giving the ability to leverage technology to make people feel a part of experience that they may never experience is kind of what we've done. And, you know, I think this could be transferable to comedy clubs or something, you know, you could Mm. take off Broadway shows and and do the same thing or, you know, because people don't live, not everybody lives in New York City where, where I am. And so they don't have access to these things. And I think it's just like, you know, with technology, that's the beauty of it. So really trying to find a way to 
bring this to people that probably there's no reason that they shouldn't ever see what happens inside an Excel studio for 20 years until it gets there. Maybe a studio comes near them with technology. So I think it's really just thinking like that and bringing these experiences to more people. There's something kind of um, going back to the Netflix reference. I was watching the Emmys and it was, I think, kind of the pre-show and I, can't, I wish I could remember the actor, but he was being interviewed on the red carpet and he basically said, shame on the networks for not thinking that middle America could understand really smart, savvy, sophisticated shows and what Netflix has done to bring the country together. It was this very like sort of social and political statement about yep. what net, what Netflix has been able to do to unite us. And we don't yep. need to get into <laughs> what divisive times or divisive times we are in now and, and how yep. that actually kind of brings our collective minds together. But I, what you're saying is so true. Like if we can, why does it have to be? We live in LA out here. It's the same thing as New York in terms of we have access to things that so many people don't. And why not? It's not like... Yeah, they're going to like it once they get yeah. access to it. <laughs> so I think it's just a matter of, yeah, it's not like this is only for New Yorkers are so fast paced or whatever the case sure. may be. It's just a matter of yeah, bringing access. And I think for these places too, like, you know, there's a lot of like celebrities that go to these XYZ. It's like, well, that's great that you just told me that, but how does that make my life better? So sure. now it's like, guess what? You can actually work out there and yeah. now you can do what she's doing. So I think you know, that's also fun for us too, that, that these places are getting that type of notoriety and they're putting it in like, you know, news, national news, but then what, what's the point in telling people that? So now I think this is exciting to be able to leverage tech and obviously build the studios brand and also the communities. Like we're partnering with studios that have secret sauce and that have already built these longstanding communities. So just kind of, you know, for working out, especially if you aren't connected to the experience, that's why people fall off the wagon. So I think being able to build a community and stuff like that will be important to people sticking to it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I've, I'm already like, yeah. what do we need to do at Liberty that takes advantage of this? Yeah. Um, so, so you had talked about being sort of first on the scene and really developing or c- making that connection with the audience, being one of the first players, being the first player. And so that really relies on sort of communicating to the masses and saying, hey, Forte is, is, the, is the subscription um, service that you should be um, connecting with and using all of our, um, fitness platforms or fitness classes in, in doing that, you, in, in, in really developing that marketing strategy, there's a few vehicles out there. What are the, what are the ones or the one that you feel like that's really been an important one for us? And one that I would advise other people to look at who are looking to really hit a mass mass market. Yeah, I think they're all important for different reasons. Obviously, you know, LinkedIn is great for our investors' visibility um, and for that type of visibility. Um, For our studios, depending on the age of the audience, um, you know, we have a yoga studio in Salt Lake City and they're more prominent on Facebook because their target customer is slightly older. So I think it depends on the studio for for our experience and then the, you know, where that where those users are kind of hanging out and it actually varies a little bit for each of our different groups sure. um so we kind of have to be cognizant of that um you know as an overall theme 
Um, so we kind of are spread upon all the platforms. And I think, you know, they kind of get different attention. I think Twitter gets a little bit more tech attention. So just getting, you know, in front of people knowing about us in those spaces, which obviously then help for our fundraising efforts. So really just being cognizant of who's on what and kind of leveraging the messages kind of given to each one has what, been helpful. What about um, more kind of traditional modes of, of marketing? So um, I'll just look at all the communication platforms, whether it's advertising and that could be radio, television, cable, uh, magazines, fitness magazines, I guess in your case, or yep. uh, newspapers. What are, what are some of the more, um, the things that maybe are outside of social that you have used, you have found to be helpful, or you've decided we're, you know, we're not going to focus on those. We're going to focus. We really are going to pour our energy into focus. I mean, excuse me, we we really are going to pour our energy into social. Yeah. I mean, we're, we, again, I'm a tight wallet, so we don't, we don't spend <laughs> any money on marketing. Our customer acquisition cost is currently zero. Um, we do not believe that we need to do that because the studios have large, you know, they have over 30 locations and hundreds of thousands of people's um, entering the doors every day. So we have leveraged their networks um, although I was surprised that the amount of users that are coming to us are actually coming organically as well. So it's, it's split pretty much 50, 50, which is great. Um, so we actually leverage the fact that, you know, our users that go to the class, if you go to a studio, you're, you're alive and on the video. So because we have touch points to the users on a daily basis and people are going in and signing waivers and, and being a part of the experience, we have really leveraged that to kind of spread the product for us. Yeah, and that's so smart. I mean, that takes really understanding what you need to do in terms of marketing to the user and marketing to the potential user, as well as what the studios are already doing for you. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of people will repeat marketing efforts, I mean, depending on what they do, but if they're aggregators, if they're, you know, a, a store that sells a lot of brands, those brands have spent a lot of dollars on marketing. Yeah. Um, use those dollars, uh, repurpose us, them. <laughs> yeah. We've also leveraged, um, we have an amazing company that I would say we probably get uh, compared to often and they have spent a, a lot of money on advertising. And so it's actually been really helpful for us in kind of, you know, telling the user what this is, which is, so it's like a, it's like the studio streaming it at home and they've really explained this concept to people. And so it's actually been super helpful for us because people compare us to that. And so they've done a great job in advertising and it has been super helpful for us in terms of explaining it to my aunt or explaining it to an <laughs> investor, you know? So yeah. it's actually been really helpful as much as I, you know, cringe when I'm up late working and seeing the commercial over and over. I also really appreciate that they have really drilled home this concept of taking an actual live class while it's occurring, which is a new concept. So they did actually really help in that respect. If you are creating something new, the user does have to understand it. And so we've been really grateful and, and lucky that they've done such a good job of explaining it, to be honest with you. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, yeah. I think we can often see people who are um, our competitor, if you will, and kind of just want them to get out of the way. And sometimes we need to look at how do we leverage what they're doing? How do we even, not in actuality, but in the consumer's eye, even partner with yeah. and say, just, you know, partnering is saying what they do, but different, Great for us. you know, exactly. Yep. Um, yep. okay. I am sort of wildly aware of 
what it takes for you to look at all the boutique um, offerings, fitness offerings that are in the United States of America, never mind going outside of the U.S., yep. and saying, we need people who fit the Forte brand and who really are going to uh, raise the bar, at least meet the bar for our consumer. So what is it that you do? Is there sort of an internal um, short list of criteria that needs to be met in order for you to collaborate or, or bring on these boutique uh, fitness yeah. I mean, in the beginning, obviously, it was super hard, right? Because nobody wants to be the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so we've crossed that bridge, which has been obviously makes my life a lot easier. In the beginning, it's, you know, who's going to be first? So we're kind of past that stage where we're having to convince them it's a good idea. And now they're approaching us, which has been awesome. And so we get a lot of letters from studios all over, which has been super exciting. We do also encourage users to send us stuff because there are stuff that we will miss. Um, But our main parameters usually are we look at size. So the amount of brick and mortars obviously is helpful. The bigger the place, obviously, the more marketing power and Mm -hmm. bigger of a team that they have. You know, if it's a small place, the guy that owns it maybe is teaching and also getting the towels ready and getting it all organized. So they don't really have the bandwidth. So it's a little bit more difficult. So we like to look at brick and mortar size, but we don't like ones that are, you know, there's 500 locations, for instance, because they're everywhere and super accessible. So we like to keep them kind of smaller. And we also look at just sex appeal, you know, like one of our partner aerospace, I literally go to that gym and I walk out and I feel 10 times cooler. (laughs) It's just so cool in there. You know, so if age- you're trying to get your cool quotient in or on, exactly. you just need to t- okay, good to know. Yeah, it's just so cool in there. And so the owners are incredible. And, you know, I, uh, Adriana Lima and all these other cool people are constantly in there. And so, you know, that's a smaller place location wise. They're in New York and LA, but they mm-hmm. absolutely a lot of star power and, and coolness to the, to the platform. So again, for those listening who want to work with other brands, whether it's a short-term collaboration or a, a longer-term partnership, like with what, like with what you're doing, what is your sort of, you know, Hey, make sure that this exists and make sure to avoid this. Any advice you can impart? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important that the partners are as excited as you are and that mm-hmm. you have a really, you know, trusting like relationship with them. Our contracts are something that I'm really proud of. They're one written, not like in legal terms, like the way I would talk. So they're Mm -hmm. like, this is going to be fun. (laughs) I think it's important that, you know, you're transparent and that they feel really good about it. So for us, you know, we are kind of going in their business and flipping the business model and now saying, guess what? Now you're broadcasting this and this is what's going on. So for us, it was really important that any concerns that they had, we put into the contract. I was like, you know, I don't know what my future opportunities will be, but I know Mm -hmm. that I don't want to upset you. And so if there is something that you fear that I may do, let's just write that down and and put that in the contract because today I don't want to do that. But in six months, I may have different opportunities and I may want to do that. You know, so really just making them feel, you know, really good about the, you know, venture, I think is the most important thing. And and really trusting each other because we do rely on our partners, obviously, to create the content. So it sounds like what you're saying is um, you kind of have a boilerplate contract and then you customize that to some degree with each studio as needed. Yeah, I mean, now it's pretty stable, but it it took a bunch of conversations. We kind of found where the pain points were. And there's a lot of things that we won't budge on. Like everybody wants exclusivity. And every single time I say, absolutely not. (laughs) Because, you know, I I think 
the thing with that is like, you know, if we gave exclusivity to, let's say, a spin studio and then some other spin studio became wildly popular and we couldn't bring them on because we gave you guys exclusivity, it would be hurting them, actually, because we would be bringing a whole slew of spinners and keeping it interactive and exciting. And so I think it's important to for them to not look at each other like competitors and to really have this, you know, to really trust the process and and stuff like that. So we've been you know, really adamant about kind of the contract isn't a good place now that people actually feel really great about signing it. And I feel, yeah, really proud of where we've come and stuff like that. Do you feel like you ha- keep having to refer to Netflix as an example? Like I couldn't help but say, well, you know, there's like two murder mystery shows and they seem to be able to exist on the same platform. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, nobody wants to watch the same show. Like as much as you're great and everything, yeah. people get sick of stuff. And the, the cardio girl is going to spin herself crazy and then yeah. she's going to want to run and then she's going to go back to you. Exactly. Beyonce is on Spotify and she doesn't care who's around her because she is the best and she wins. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, you know, that if you're fearing those things, then you're probably not winning. And so... (laughs) Yeah, so that's even interesting. Like you're forcing them to elevate their game. Like you guys have to be better. Don't live in fear. Just get really good. Just be really good at what you do. Yeah, like people were like, well, we should get more money because we're a better brand. (laughs) You will get more money. And if you're not really, then you won't. And so I think getting, you know, that to... um, For them to understand that. And initially the argument or the discussion was always, you know, their hesitation with the streaming. If you don't do this, you will be like a blockbuster and I will be like Netflix. (laughs) And I don't think you want to be like Blockbuster. (laughs) No, it's it's amazing to me, really, truly the similarities. I mean, even as we're talking, I'm like, yes, I totally see them. And because I think most of us are starting or or have already understood the the power of something like a Netflix, it keeps being a great analogy for you and one that I think is helping you close close deals because people can see that value. So let's go to the the kind of investment because that's something that you've had to pitch a bunch of times and probably bring in that Netflix example a bunch of times. For those of us who are trying to raise money, um, anything you can impart in terms of the fundraising part of launching specifically? So not funding for growth, but fundraising for for those early launch years. Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing is to be really confident. <laughs> if you are not confident about what you are telling somebody, they are certainly not going to be confident. I think, you know, they're just a person making a bet essentially and you need to go in there with a thousand percent confidence or there is no way that they're going to bet on you. So I think that's the most important thing and to not doubt yourself. You know, I I think I think it's interesting like I meet a lot of investors that ask silly questions and and I tell them that I'm like, you're actually not asking good questions for the space. This is like, so it's super exciting when you do meet somebody that really understands the space. And so don't doubt yourself if somebody is asking questions that you maybe don't know the answer to or don't agree with what they're saying because you are the expert. And so just never doubt that. I love that. I imagine a, an investor in the room with you and you saying you're not yeah. really asking good questions. And I would be totally impressed as an, I mean, I, once my ego got over it, I would be like, wow, yeah. she really knows what she's talking about and yeah. has a lot to offer. She's a leader in the industry. And I think the other thing that you're saying about confidence, I just want to put in the ears of everyone listening 
a thousand percent confidence comes with a lot of research and hard work that coming in and sort of, I mean, you've just talked about the years you put into the technology piece of it. And prior to that, having sort of not only the social proof, but gaining an audience of friends and family, but people who were following you and already saw you as this arbiter of which studio is the hottest studio. So a lot came with that and that confidence, you've got to be able to back it up. Yeah. I mean, I did come from a finance background, so this is my strong suit (laughs) as opposed to the technology, which is great. Right. Right. Which is great. Yeah. When I go in meetings, they're like, oh, were you a trainer? I'm like, no, trader as a trader. They're like, oh, oh, oh. I'm like, I built that model. That's my financial model. No. I'm so proud of it. That, yeah, that's that's got it. Which is, again, like you didn't have expertise in the technology background. Those who don't ha- who are raising money, especially VC money, not not necessarily yeah. angel money, but to find somebody who can speak that language and can speak to those points, I think is, is really important or to super, yeah. you know, steep yourself in that and really get a good education. Yeah. You might know your industry. But you it also know. depends on the investor's background. That's what they're going to care about typically. So yeah. if they're a marketing expert, they're going to drill you on that. Yes. And so that is also, you know, and, and, and so it depends on what they know about typically is what they're going to drill you on. So just be prepared for. I kind of love the humanity and all of it. It's like, no matter the setting, we all like want to evidence our own expertise and our own strengths. And exactly. So whoever you get in front of is going to bring that to the table. Um, exactly. Which means that we have something to bring to the table too, no matter what our expertise is. Like that's the good news there. Okay. One of the, I think most exciting parts for our listener is what are the resources, the tips, the tools, what are the things that you're using to kind of keep your day organized, effective, efficient? So what are the things that you're using right now or your team is using right now in terms of apps or third-party platforms? Yep. So we use Slack to communicate during the day, but often that becomes messy and things get lost in translation there. Um, So we use to, for our development, we use Visual Studio. So we assign tasks and kind of all that stuff. And I was, uh, you know, a little bit hesitant to use all of these things. And ultimately now I'm the biggest proponent of all these things um, just because there's so much information. So we use Atlassian and Confluence to kind of document the long-term, you know, projects because they get lost in emails. So it's kind of like an outline for us of what's going on. Um, so we'd use those tools, uh, use Trello to kind of do our weekly tasks. And this way, you know, the same people aren't moving tasks forward. It's pretty obvious what's going on. Um, so yeah. And just kind of, cause some people are like, I'll do that. I'll do that. They say yes. And then it's hard to tell what really gets done. And obviously you're managing so many things. So I think Trello is a great tool for that stuff. Um, and yeah, and then we use Google docs constantly and all that. I think that's super great for collaboration and, and all that. So Google Docs, I'm a huge fan of them in, in all forms. That's awesome. And and for our listeners, again, especially those who are driving right now, don't worry, we'll have these in the in the show yeah. notes. So we'll, we'll make sure to list all of those. You've mentioned a few that I haven't heard of or that we haven't listed before. So that's awesome. Thank you. Yep. Um, okay. We talked a little bit about social media when we kind of hit the marketing question, but one of the things that I realize people are sort of coming up, they're, they're hitting a wall with certain social media platforms. And sometimes I wonder if they're hitting that wall because their demographic isn't on that. And you really addressed that early on when you talked about LinkedIn for your investors, when you talked about Facebook for some of your older, um, kind of studio, you know, those who want a studio that, that might serve an older demographic. 
Yep. What do you, what have you found to be the best platform? And I'm going to be more specific because I want to answer, I want you to answer the question in a slightly different way. What have you found to be the, the most um, effective social media platform for Forte as a, as a streaming company versus the individual classes? Yeah, I think we, you know, I think Facebook obviously has been super powerful tool for us, you know, um, Instagram has been really helpful in that, you know, we offer classes with equipment and things that maybe people don't have. So to be able to go on Instagram and find a mom that's showing you she has a TRX and she uses it every day at home and actually talk directly to that person is a really powerful tool. So I think we use some things like that where, you know, instead of just paying for a blanket ad to select somebody that likes fitness and then you know, hope that they like what we show them. And as opposed to being able to go on Instagram and go directly to a person and find that exact person and sell it to them. So I think that's been an interesting way for us to target people where, you know, the audience maybe is smaller, but, but a strong audience, just how do we get to them? So that's what we've used from that perspective. And uh, yeah, that's a really smart point too. Just the kind of how, um, how, you know, go to people who are most likely to be loyal and to understand. And it's like the, in the, the power of the individual can be so much greater than diluting something to the masses. Um, yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it's those hundred super users that grow into 500, right? So it's really getting those people going in the beginning. And the person that owns that equipment is probably going to start doing the video today, as opposed to the blanket ad where they maybe have to motivate. So I think in the beginning, it was definitely helpful to find some people like that. That's great. Did you guys have any sort of an influencer campaign when you first launched? Kind of, you know, we haven't really focused so much on that stuff because I do think it's super important, but I don't know how strongly I believe that necessarily translates to real dollars. I think it's important for like the brand and and building of the brand and stuff like that. Um, But I think in terms of like getting real users going on day one, you know, those accounts can sometimes be fictitious and things of that nature. So really focusing on getting real paying customers, (laughs) Um, you know, so that's where we kind of focused. Um, We did actually recently, I went on a TV show and I won a deal with a super famous uh, NFL player. So they're going to start being a, celebrity endorser and creator of the, yeah. So they'll be super heavily involved. So that'll start coming out publicly in a couple of weeks. Okay. When, when you can publicize that, tell us who it is and we'll shout it out for you on Instagram. That's awesome. That'll be awesome. That's very cool. So just in kind of wrapping this up, what do you, what do you want to share with all these wannabe entrepreneurs, existing entrepreneurs, people who have been entrepreneurial for a long time in their business, maybe looking to shift things, add another revenue stream, whatever. What's some parting advice you'd like to share with these people who are um, kind of ready to launch or grow their respective ventures? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to, you know, obviously it's a lot of work. It's more work than I ever bargained for. Um, But I think the most important thing is to just stay focused on each week and, you know, not to get so hard on yourself or go for, you know, the goal of going public as this week. You know, the goal for this week should be to get, 
you know, XYZ meetings and to get the interest from however many investors or those are my short-term goals, you know, rather than kind of looking at your long-term goals or comparing yourself to anybody else. So I think, you know, in order to stay positive, just focus on each week's goals and achieving them and, and staying focused on that rather than, you know, just feeling overwhelmed. I think the most important thing is just to remember that you can do it and that nobody has any more advantage than you do and that it just takes grinding through it and kind of just staying positive along the way and focusing on the small tasks each day. That's right. Thank you. We're yep. going to take all that. We're going to take that to the bank, Lauren. Yep. We're, we're counting on it. So you can do it. Oh, we can do it. Thank you for that. And thank you so much for all of your wisdom. This has been yep. such an informative interview, but I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. We do a, something we call the quick six. I'm just going to ask you six questions and we just want kind of top of mind answer. Okay. So um, do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Well, now flex. Okay. Except you work more. I was <laughs> going to say, it's always a little lie. It's a trick. Yeah. yeah. You work way more. <laughs> and then vacation for you, mountains or beach? Mountains. I'm a big skier. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Where, where do you ski in New York? Well, I grew up skiing in Vermont, but I now I like to only ski out west. <laughs> oh, good for you. Good answer. Yeah. Good. I'm from yeah. Colorado, so good answer. Yeah, I love Colorado. <laughs> um, we all should. We all should. Yeah. Okay, so work from home or office? I actually like to work from home right now just because I'm typically out so much in meetings. So being home is sort of my solitude. It's not that many hours a day that I get to be home. Yeah. And then um, would you rather work alone or with a team? I actually like to work alone. I'm pretty easily distracted. I'm pretty social. So <laughs> yeah, I think all of us need that time to just to kind of be more visionary and more creative and more thoughtful. And then when we're kind of getting tasks done and more administrative, the team is good. Yeah. It depends on what kind of work I'm doing. Okay. Um, and then, um, this is, I think the hardest question, Thai or Mexican food. Oh, Mexican. Oh, not even a hesitation. <laughs> wow. Okay. Nope. Impressive. I mean, I love Thai, but I love Mexican. Okay. Okay. Well, well, you know, being from California, we get that. Um, yeah. and then, you know, we named this podcast Liberty Sessions and our company is Liberty. And we did so because we are hoping to liberate women, um, who are answering the call of what their life should be, who are really pursuing a venture that they're passionate about or curious about. And we're hoping that women will be liberated through entrepreneurship. What does it mean for you to be liberated? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so exciting to be thinking about something that I absolutely love. And so to be building a company that is from the core of my existence and, you know, that I'm so passionate about. And obviously working out has been such a huge part of my life and to hopefully make other people's lives better because of that and stuff like that for me is such a incredible feeling. And so, yeah, to be doing something that I have been embodying my whole life and everybody that knows me would, would say, Lauren loves to work out. <laughs> so I think it, it's so exciting to be doing something that, you know, is, has just been a huge part of my existence and doing something that you really love. Not that I didn't love my old career, but, but this is, you know, this is my existence. This is who I am. So it's, it's easy to do a great job at it, I believe. That's cool. I, I love hearing how passionate you are and your, um, your really your love for the industry, for the people that you're serving, both the boutiques and the the consumer. 
um, yep. really shines through. And thank you. Thanks for sharing your time you. and what I think has just been really great advice. I'm excited to have our listeners listening to this and listening to you. And hopefully you'll see a little spike, a little jump on Forte because of the so. sessions. <laughs> get moving, ladies. That's right. We're working on it. We're working on it. I, I know I got to get my cool on. So what is that class yep. that I need to do? Aerospace. Aerospace. Okay. I'll try so and remember cool. that. <laughs> Thanks so much, Lauren. Thanks for being a part of this. And we'll talk Thank to you, you soon. Thank you so much. Okay, bye and guys. Liberty listeners, um, check this out. We'll have all the show notes for you um, in the episode show notes. Did I just say show notes? Page. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Elizabeth. And um, check out Forte. We'll also have all of their handles, uh, their URL and social media for you in the show notes so that you can get your cool on because that's what we're all about here at Liberty. And we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower. 